This is Steal This Sermon, number 142. A one-minute sermon, the quarterback's tale. So, the sports sages of St. Paul gathered in the basement of the nook to share their wisdom with their fellow football experts. For a group that could disagree for hours on end about who would be a better seventh-round draft pick and whether that pick would, in fact, be better or worse than the seventh-round draft pick in 2014, there was surprising unanimity tonight. That unanimity was our overpaid quarterback was a selfish fool who was putting at risk our all but certain Super Bowl season by not getting vaccinated. Oh my God, what a fool! He gets paid a guaranteed $20 million, and yet he can't be bothered to get a shot that would remove any and all risk of getting sidelined for the next three crucial months. As our home 11 marches to the Lombardi Trophy, a dream we have had since, well, since forever. Just get the blankety-blank shot. Other sages chipped in facts about the science, horror stories about relatives who had friends who had a cousin who got it, the previously unknown but suddenly greatly beloved CDC was invoked. But in the end, it really came down to a virtually unanimous verdict based on these five points. A, the Vikings need to win. They need to win. B, for $20 million, he should go along with the program, just like almost everybody else is doing. C, he's the quarterback. He should be leading the team, not dividing it. D, the airlines and the hospitals are forcing people to get it. Why doesn't the team just force him to get the dang vaccine? E, and this one's real, a real biggie, he lost the first two games of the year. The season's going down the toilet. If he tests positive, he's out. Our backup is horrible, and our big chance to finally be a winner is gone. Well, many, many beers had been consumed, and the Sages were even more deeply convinced that they had been at the beginning of the night. But then, a dissenting voice was heard. Now, wait a minute, guys. I understand everything you say, but even a guilty guy like that cop in Minneapolis who started the riots gets to have a defense. One of the sages replied loudly, well, that guy's guilty and so is Cousins. Loud, yes, all around. Well, maybe so. And let's just say you are right about all the facts you've said. And he is, without the vaccine, far more likely to get sick or even die from the virus than he ever would be from getting the vaccine. I'll even agree that the smart move for him is to take the shot. A sage shouts, so shut up, we agree. Laughs all around. Well, maybe we do. But let's look at it from another angle. None of us like to be hated and booed. And right now, Kirk is getting nothing but hatred and boos. None of us like to wander outside of the group consensus. And right now, he is way out of that consensus. Now, he's not an idiot. He has to understand the relative risks of getting the vaccine and not getting the vaccine. So why? in the world would he stand out there 
all along. Why? After a very long pause, a voice says, because his 20 million is guaranteed, he gets paid either way. Nods all around. Our devil's advocate replies, well, yes, that certainly makes it easier. I'll agree. But on balance, Kirk is still not doing what's best for his own interests. Can we at least agree on that? Reluctant nods. So why is he? One of the guys asks. And I say, hear me out. Like you would hear out a defense lawyer if you were on a jury. You'll probably still convict him at the end. But you might get something out of it anyway. We okay? Go on, Mr. Siding Salesman, says Bob. We all laugh, including myself. Okay. I'm going to talk about two ideas, ideas that are bigger than COVID, ideas that are even bigger than who wins the Super Bowl. There are boos all around as cat calls of blasphemy, blasphemy. I smile and I say, well, before I start, I want you to keep this one thing in mind, this one thought. Kirk embraces a lifelong deeply devout Christian faith. And from what I've read, he seems to have walked the walk. Okay. Now, based on that faith, he seems to deeply hold fast to these two ideas, which I think are actually pretty darn good ideas. Okay, here's the first one. Idea number one. There is a difference between what is sacred and what is simply worldly, of this world. Money, fame, athletic talent are all of this world. They are worldly things. Without going into the fine details of his religion, which, quite frankly, is about as hard to understand as a rotating nickel defense, and without agreeing or disagreeing with his conclusions, it certainly seems that his beliefs about the right and wrong of this vaccine for him and I repeat, for him, are both deep and heartfelt. I don't really fully understand or agree with a military conscientious objector in a time of war, but I reluctantly accept his sincerity. It's kind of the same. So I'm going to throw this back at you, and I'm going to throw it back at me. When was the last time you or I Put that which is sacred above that which is merely worldly. Or even, when was the last time we even thought about which one is which? Take a look at Jesus. Think about it in terms of smart moves. Was it a smart move to go up to Jerusalem at Passover? Was it a smart move to disrespect the Pharisees? Was it a smart move to disrespect Pilate? Definitely not the of-this-world choices. Eh? So let's go on to the second idea. Is this life just a one-time shot? A one-and-done in basketball lingo? A finite experience that when it ends, it ends? Or is this life 
just a brief flash in your infinite existence, an existence that began before your birth and that will last after your death. Now that is a really big idea, eh? So let's start with an agreement. Always good to agree first. If Vegas were setting the odds on Kirk Cousins dying in the next year, would you be a smarter bet to live if he took the vaccine or if he didn't take the vaccine? Well, the answer is obvious. It's as obvious as this question. Would he have time to pass if his blockers didn't block? And the shouts were, true, true. I agree with you. Now, I don't think Martin Luther King was a football fan. But he is a source of great wisdom on this question. Dr. King was amazingly effective at impacting this world. Probably no one did more to improve the world in my lifetime. In the last speech he gave, less than 24 hours before he was killed, Dr. King said, We don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I've looked over and I have seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know we will get there. These are words that are true in so many ways and in so many contexts. But that wasn't all he said. He continued on with the most important part of his message. Listen closely. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And then Martin went on. So I'm happy here tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Wow. That is not a finite or a worldly way to see this world. I offer you the thought that neither is Kirk's way. Consider whether he, or even better, whether you and I are even aware that there is more ahead for our spark of life spark that existed long before football did and that will exist long after our final Super Bowl. A spark also called his soul and our soul. And to quote my favorite Bible quote, be not afraid. Let me repeat that. Be not afraid. After a few moments, the silence was broken by a loud voice saying, How do you think the Wild are going to do this year? Well, there were a lot of responses, lots of yelling, lots of beer. But maybe, just maybe, there was the beginning of a sprout of a new idea among someone or some few at the nook that warm fall evening. Amen.
Hallelujah. If you enjoyed this sermon, try episode 12, Buck and Sean. It is one of my favorites.